Are you ready to be transported back to 1800s high society London? Because season three of Bridgerton is now playing only on Netflix. This season follows the story of the Tons resident wallflower, Penelope Featherington, as she undergoes a journey of self-discovery and empowerment where we see her truly blossom. Penn's emotional transformation takes centre stage as her friendship with the charming Colin Bridgerton evolves into something more. For those not yet acquainted, Colin, the charming younger brother of the Bridgerton family, is about to turn Penelope's world upside down. Mm, This is the ultimate good friends to lovers story. From those initial butterflies to when both parties realise there might be something more between them, watch Bridgerton Season 3, now playing only on Netflix. Welcome to Shameless, the pop culture podcast for smart people who love dumb stuff. You're joined as always by Melbourne writers, Michelle Andrews, that would be me, Zara McDonald, that would be you. And hello, Annabelle Lee. Hello, ladies. Hi, it's becoming a bit of a poem. (laughs) Coming up on today's show, can we talk about why TikTok is desperate to expose Justin Bieber as an awful husband? Plus, another week, another Jen and Ben headline, and Celeb Spellcheck explains why they're back without really being back at all. Then, last but not least, the story of Leah Michelle throwing a shoe on set of a mag shoot that sparked a conversation about what to do about celebrities who behave badly in the public eye. But first, Zara McDonald, how was your week? Hello, pretty good week. I mean, it's that funny point in the year where it's mid-May and (laughs) (laughs) it is the point where you really start to struggle a bit with motivation. But alas, what I've been doing is I've been coming home and smashing Drive to Survive, the F1 (laughs) doco that you recommended a few weeks ago. This is not your recommendation. It's not yours either. It's our partnerships director, Ree's recommendation. We do love it. We do love Drive to Survive here at Shameless. It's so funny because I never, ever envisioned myself as this person. Like I ne- <laughs> I've just changed a lot in the last few weeks. It's so funny because last night we were watching one of the episodes and they were at the, Mo- the Monaco Grand Prix and Lewis Hamilton was at the front and his left tyre started to go a bit and he's like, we're going to need a miracle to hold on. And I turned to Ollie being like, you can't fucking box with 10 laps to go at Monaco. <laughs> and, I went, and he looked at me and he was like, what? And I was like, who am I? <laughs> what episode are you up to? Oh, I think you're ahead of me. I'm halfway through season two. Oh, I think we're at probably the exact same yes. episode. So though. he just won the Monaco Grand Prix. Don't spoil he, it he, for people. It was three years ago <laughs> because he didn't box, which is short for Annabelle. Do you know? Nope. <laughs> Going into the pit lane. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> How crazy was it when he tried to box in that one episode and it took them like a minute a to minute. fix the front wing? I know. This is the thing. Ollie turned to me and he's like, what? And I'm like, who am I? I don't know who I am anymore. I just feel lost. But I love it. Like we're having conversations about joining an F1 fantasy league after oh, this God. finishes. And I was like, I love the versatility. Like we are a couple of female onions. We've just got layers, Mish. I feel so bad as well because I always thought that F1 fans were massive bogans and I'm proud to be one now. Like when the Formula One comes we're to going. Melbourne... 
I want to go with you. I want to go. I want to pay for a good seat. I want to sit there and embrace my Bogan side and do the Bogan thing of Formula One racing. I want to yeah, dress up as well with like all the branded <laughs> like suits and things. Look at Daniel Ricciardo's like checkered flag vibes on our uh, cheek. I cannot wait. I do have a really good recommendation this week, which is very <laughs> modest of me to say. I haven't recommended an episode of The Daily in ages. I do go in phases a little bit with the episodes I'm drawn to, but they released this really interesting episode the other day called A Shrinking Society in Japan. Mm. Now, on the surface, it may sound a little dry, but stick with me here. <laughs> no, no, scintillating stuff. Please continue. <laughs> so our listeners might have heard or they may not have heard, but for the first time in a long time, the birth rate in the US is slipping and that is a huge cause for concern in the US. And so what The Daily have done is they went to their Japanese correspondent to talk about this issue because Japan's birth rate has been slipping since 2007. They haven't had an increase in population since 2007. So what they do is they talk to the Japanese correspondent at the New York Times about this issue about why women don't want kids in Japan and why people don't want kids. And I found this particularly interesting just given maybe my life stage at the moment. I'm 26, nearly 27. I am so far off having children, but I see people around me very slowly either start to have them or to start thinking about them. And I find myself, and I know you're the same, Mish, because we have been talking about this for the last few months in a place where the older I get, the less I'm drawn to it. Yeah. The more I'm exposed to children, like young children, bless their souls, love them dearly. My niece who is 15, 16 months old is my favourite person in the entire world. But the more time I spend with her, the more I'm like, you know what? I don't need to do this anytime soon. And it's not even just that. It's not even just being around kids and being tired. I think it's like the reason that this has been on my mind so much is watching how I think for us in particular, like as people who are very interested in feminism and very interested in independence, you spend so many years of your adult life building up a life for yourself. And then suddenly you have kids and you realise that it's very hard to break away from gender norms that are created for you. And you Mm. watch people who have done the same find it very hard to break away too. And so this conversation about why Japan is shrinking was very interesting to me about why Japanese women aren't drawn to having kids nearly as much as women in the rest of the world. It's a super interesting conversation because on one hand, overpopulation is a huge problem. On the other hand, ageing populations are a huge public health issue as well. So it's one of those things where it's like, there's no clear way out or like there's no clear best option. Both are kind of troubling. Well, and an aging population is also like a severe economic issue too. Mm. So there is just like so many layers to it and something I probably hadn't thought before, but I guess at a very micro level and at a very me level, I was like, I understand this. I worry that I would have to sacrifice so much of myself and what I have built or what I've spent years building. And I just don't know when I'll be ready to make those sacrifices. And some women do it brilliantly, but I think they'll probably be the first to say it's not easy. Yeah. I feel like personally for me, and I can only speak from personal experience and personal approach because I feel like every person and every woman is so different when it comes to this conversation. Personally, it's almost like the longer I put it off is kind of counterintuitive in one way, because the longer I spend building my career the trickier it is for me as someone who is quite ambitious to reckon with a period of stagnating or reckon with a period of taking my foot off the pedal like that feels like a greater and greater sacrifice the older I get and let me acknowledge there are probably a bunch of older <laughs> listeners or more mature aged listeners listening to this going ladies you'll be fine you'll be fucking <laughs> you, fine you're so dramatic and if that's the case 
come and tell me that. I would love to be reassured that it's all going to be okay and it's all going to be fine because right now I'm struggling to live and I'm just little old B. God <laughs> help me when I have fucking like a toddler running around. No, I agree. And I do think, I think you're right. I think there'll be two camps of people listening. I think there'll be a camp of people listening who have gone through this and thinking, girls, you'll be okay. Like you don't need to worry. <laughs> but then I think there'll be a camp of people our age who are thinking exactly the same thing and thinking like it's harder for a woman when she wants to have a baby compared to a man. Like that's just mm. the reality of the world that we live in. And so that sort of worry feels very real. Yeah, it's an anxiety. Annabelle Lee, what about you? Do you think about this? I have definitely thought about it more recently. I think the more I get older and the clearer I can see what my career might look like, mm. the less I want to... Because I used to want to have kids young. Yeah. I used to want to have kids at like... I did too. 20, I mean, kind of the age that I am now. <laughs> or I, I, It was crazy. Like I wanted to get married pretty young and have kids pretty young as well and be like a young mum. Mm. Not anymore. Not at all anymore. Mm. It's hard to see. And I that is not to say that people don't do it really well and are able to really thwart those stereotypical gender roles. Mm. But I think the older I get, the more I realise how hard it is to push back on very ingrained systems and very ingrained values and beliefs. And so I found this episode very, very interesting. I feel like you guys might like it too. Two banger recommend. Actually, I think you're on a hat trick. That is three (laughs) amazing recommendations (laughs) in a row. You are on. And let me start with my recommendation for the week because it is just piggybacking yours from last week. (laughs) Guys, Zara was bang on when she recommended The Sure Thing last week. I binged the entire series this week got to say you can probably skip the last episode not sure there's enough content there to really get a full ep out of it however what a story what scintillating podcast storytelling I feel like the AFR did this such justice it was really well produced really well hosted and I loved it the only thing I didn't love Zara was when they played the bell I know why they played the bell but man oh man I find that sound effect really annoying yeah it's funny people who will listen to that podcast they kind of play this sound effect that is the bell that's trying to sort of symbolize the bell that people hear in investment banks when like deals are done like trades or yeah (laughs) we listen to this eight-part podcast series and we can't quite put our finger on the bell but I agree with you it was (laughs) what's the word maybe bit obvious it just made me feel like rage every time it came on I was like can we not hear the fucking bell again like I'm sick of it anyway if you're interested in white collar crime brilliant brilliant series also in the psychology of why young men take risks and potentially find themselves enmeshed in the criminal justice system is very very interesting as well yeah 100 hey let's get into our first segment of today Ooh. because last week for your safe friday we were talking about justin bieber his drew house label and then we started to post a video or two of justin bieber treating Haley bieber wrong that's kind of going viral on tiktok and so a whole conversation's been ignited yeah exactly So listeners wanted us to kind of talk about Justin Bieber and out of nowhere I was like, this is random, but this has been kind of plaguing the shameless office this week. You and I have been sending each other TikTok videos back and forth, Zara, of clips where Justin seems to not be a very good husband towards Hayley. And I'll give some context as to what these videos are because I feel like a lot of people roll their eyes when they hear about these TikTok trends or they think people are reading into something that's not quite there. There are so many videos where Justin Bieber seems to completely disregard his wife, Hayley Bieber. And I mean like shutting car doors on her when she's getting out of the car, running away from paparazzi where he like hops on a scooter or hops on a skateboard and skates away and leaves her to trail behind him where she trips and falls and he doesn't even notice because he's already 
50 metres down the street. He just has no regard for his own partner. Yeah, exactly. And this has become a huge trend in TikTok probably in the last month or so. Mm. Like there are just more and more videos popping up and it's so funny because in the last couple of weeks he's done an interview with GQ that was very widely reported about how he said he found marriage tough and I just feel like there's a lot of contributing factors here as to why people want to unpack the marriage between Justin and Hayley Bieber. Yeah, I feel like a huge thread in this story and in this trend is that Hayley Bieber is evangelical Christian and because they got married so young they married when she was just 21 years old in September 2018. I feel like there's some concern there and I can't figure out if it's faux concern or legitimate concern that this is a woman who found herself in a marriage extremely young after only 12 weeks of dating who potentially now can't get out of a marriage or has pressure on her to stay within a marriage that might not be that healthy. I think that point that you made I don't know if it's real concern or faux concern is like absolutely at the crux of this conversation. And I think a, a lot of conversations about celebrity in general, but this one feels really hard because as you say, if people just have one look at TikTok and do a bit of a search, you will see so many videos that are very, very hard to ignore. But it's not just that, it's quotes that they've also given in the past that people are trying to kind of put together to mm-hmm. paint a picture of the marriage. So a little bit of context about the two anyway. They got married in September 2018, just two months after getting engaged in the Bahamas. Now, Hayley and Justin have known each other for years. They actually met in 2009 at a fan event for Justin, not Hayley. And it's hilarious because there's this video of Stephen Baldwin, Hayley's dad, introducing them. And she, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but she has like her arms crossed (laughs) and said very openly at the time that she wasn't a huge Justin Bieber fan. So she was like a bit awkward and wasn't like super fangirl about (laughs) it. And now we have the moment that they met on record. In November 2014, so five years later, they were spotted at Hillsong after he had broken up with Selena. Kendall Jenner was actually at Hillsong with both of them. And from that point, dating rumours about them really started to surface and circulate. What's interesting about these two is they never confirmed anything really ever, to be honest. Mm. In 2016, they did separate interviews with GQ where, I don't know if you guys remember this, but they had like these really funny comments about the state of their relationship. They said they were together, but not really official. The quotes were really interesting. Hayley explained more to E! News where she said, we are not an exclusive couple. He's about to go on tour. Relationships at this age are already complicated, but I don't really like to talk about it because it's between me and him, which is Mm. fair enough. Like you don't have to have an exclusive relationship nobody's asking you to. I think it's just the events that have followed since that have made it seem quite calamitous, this breakup. In 2019, she told Vogue in an interview about their breakup in 2016. So a few months after these quotes were given, they broke up. And she said, negative things happen that we still need to work through. Fizzled would not be the right word. It was more like a very dramatic excommunication. There was a period where if I walked into a room, he would walk out. Yeah. So we know that they weren't official, but they had this massive breakup anyway. And Vogue actually said that they were hinting towards a betrayal on one of their parts. It wasn't really clear if it was a betrayal on Justin's part or a betrayal on Haley's, but there was certainly a betrayal at the heart of their split. Yeah. Well, fizzled is not the right word. It's a pretty interesting way to phrase a breakup. I mean, they got back together in 2018. So there was a two-year period where they weren't just broken up, but they weren't on good terms. Now, Interestingly, Hayley Bieber launched her YouTube account 
whatever you call it. Channel. Channel, that's what I was looking for. You can tell you don't watch YouTube very much, my dear. (laughs) Very recently. And she did this series of Who's in My Bathroom and one of her first episodes was with Kendall Jenner. And one of the lines in that video was really interesting to me. She said to Kendall, I was crying in this girl's guest bedroom for like two years straight, Mm. which I'm going to say is probably that two-year period. Yeah, so it's hard to know what to make of all this. They've given us a lot of quotes to indicate that their marriage is not great. And the journalists who have spent time with them and interviewed them for profile pieces have alluded to this too. Five months after they got married at the courthouse, Vogue opened a piece about their marriage with this line. In their place at this moment, the uncounted uncertain hours of marriage stretch out, a red carpet hung like a tightrope. What? That is brutal. Yeah. And Hayley and Justin even admitted in February after getting married in September that things were not great. Hayley told Vogue, the thing is, marriage is very hard. That is the sentence you should lead with. It's really effing hard. I want to have a brief side chat with you about this because there is definitely this rhetoric around that I've seen anyway from celebrities or just common folk that marriage is really hard and that the first year of marriage is particularly tough. Am I the only one who gets confused by this? Like I am genuinely confused why or how this marriage is so difficult five months after it's kind of been formalised with a wedding or formalised in the courthouse. What is it about the relationship that's tougher when you're married compared to when you're just dating? This is what I've been wondering a lot recently because I've seen other people post like first year marriage down, marriage is not easy, but we made it. Highs and lows, we got through it. And I'm sitting here as someone who's not engaged, not close to being married, and I'm wondering what is different about being married? Because I've been with my partner for two years. We've got all our money tied up together. Mm. We live together. Like we are as de facto as you can find. Like I don't know what could be more stressful about a life as married. Kids, totally different story. Yes. Kids, I imagine, would be a huge strain on a relationship. But changing our status, like what is harder about that than how we're living right now? And I ask that as a very genuine question. I don't know. Well, historically for couples who had very separate lives before they wedding day and then moved in together. I understand it. Moving in with a partner can be stressful and can be really tricky. Like I accept that totally. But Haley and Justin were living together before they got married. They spent lots of time together. So I just feel like that quote five months in is a little bit concerning. And then as soon as I say that, the other part of my mind is like, well, does it matter? Like if these two have a tumultuous relationship, does it matter? To which I think I would say yes, because they keep telling us about it and we keep seeing footage of it (laughs) and it doesn't look good. And I kind of want to shake Hayley and be like, you can probably do better than this guy that's treating you a little bit shit. Well, this is the thing. I don't think it's necessarily usually in the public interest. Like who cares if someone has a more dramatic marriage or relationship than you or I, you know what? Like good luck to them. They probably have a more interesting life too. But they do consistently want to tell us that it's hard. Justin Bieber only said a couple of weeks ago to GQ that the first year of marriage was really tough. It's like I understand this knee-jerk instinct for celebrities to be like, my life's real and not easy and things are tough, like this perfect facade is not always real. But to what level do you need to go to prove that to be true? Which just makes me wonder, it's funny that TikTok people, like young people on TikTok are the ones to really take this flag or to take this narrative and run with it because they're really the ones that want to kind of disseminate these videos about Justin treating Hayley badly. And it's like, what do they want out of it? Do they want Hayley to see these? Do they want the public to be talking about it? Like Mm. what's the end game? Yeah. And do we remove someone's agency? I mean, she's now a 24 year old woman. Do we trust her that if the marriage is bad that she would be able to leave it? Do we believe that her religion is keeping her in a marriage that isn't good for her? 
I don't really know what to make of it. No, I don't know what to make of it either. <laughs> Annabelle, what do you think? Oh, I'm in so many minds about it, but there's no time. <laughs> <laughs> You're a coward. You just didn't want to share your opinion. <laughs> Coming up after the break, Benefart really aren't hiding from the paps at the moment. Celeb Spellcheck explains why she's back and the story of Leah Michelle behaving badly that sparked something of a viral Zara conversation. But first, a word from today's sponsor. And now it is time for the quick and dirty. As always, we bring you the top five stories from the rough and tumble of the celebrity and pop culture news cycle. Michelle Elizabeth Andrews, what have you got today? I have got some banger stories this week. However, the first story I do need to give a content warning on. This will detail a sexual assault and may be triggering for some listeners. Annabelle Lee is going to jump in and give you all a time code that you can jump into if you want to skip this story. Hey guys, Annabelle here. Skip forward a little under three minutes if you want to skip the first quick and dirty story. So my first story is Jared Hayne jailed for five years and nine months for sexual assault. That is from the Sydney Morning Herald. Yeah, pretty big story in the Australian sporting world, celebrity world, news world this week after 33-year-old former NRL player Jared Hayne was convicted in March, you might remember, of two counts of sexual intercourse without consent after he assaulted a young woman in September 2018. This week he was jailed for five years and nine months with a non-parole period of three years and eight months. Yeah, on Thursday the District Court Judge Helen Syme said Hayne was, and I quote, fully aware that the victim was not consenting and went ahead anyway when the woman had, quote, every right to feel safe from the attack in the privacy of her own home. The commentary on this has been really interesting. I'm actually pretty proud of that Sydney Morning Herald headline to not refer to Jared Hayne as NRL star. I feel like when we platform that rhetoric, it's icky for victims of sexual assault to kind of see a man's athletic achievements platformed in the same headline where he has been found guilty of sexually assaulting someone. So hats off to Sydney Morning Herald for that one because lots of other publications in my mind got that wrong. Yeah, and in the victim impact statement, the young woman who was assaulted had some pretty searing words about how this had a pretty big impact on her life in the years since. She said, you don't owe someone your body, nor should they expect it. My body remembers and my mind won't let me forget. This assault has changed me. It's changed my direction and who I was. I don't remember the last time I had a proper sleep Mm. when he was jailed. There was apparently quite an outburst in the courtroom. There were gasps and tears and like, a shout of you're innocent. There was also a bit of a scuffle outside court, a really terrible story where a man spat in the direction of the survivor of this assault. He has been since fined, which is great. People took photos of him and put them online to kind Mm -hmm. of say, find this man. This is the man that spat in the direction of the survivor and we need to make sure there's a consequence for that. Yeah. Interestingly, in 2019, Jared Hayne actually settled a civil suit in the United States with another alleged victim of sexual assault, an unidentified American woman accused Jared Hayne of sexually assaulting her in San Jose in 2015 during a stint that he was playing with the NFL team San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, so at the time, authorities didn't have enough evidence to lay criminal charges over the alleged incident, so it prompted the alleged victim to file a civil suit in December 2017. She claimed damages for sexual battery. They settled. So Mm. I think given we know how low the conviction rate is when it comes to sexual assault. This is, I guess, one small 
maybe sigh of relief. I don't even mm. know how to word it properly, but I guess sigh of relief when it comes to there can be justice for victims. My second story, Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck share private getaway at Montana Resort. That is from news.com. Man, oh man, did we get hundreds <laughs> of DMs from everyone the minute no. these photos were published. Why we are, are you back saying on? no? I was thinking about the pronunciation of that movie that I'm not going to say. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, we might have pronounced <laughs> Giggly, jiggly, jiggly, wrong last week. We're sorry about that. But when this new update or this new development in the Benefar story came to be, we got hundreds of DMs about it. Hundreds of DMs. Guys, we are back on. Systems are go. We are firing. We are raring. People were pretty pissed off with me last week for saying that I wanted this to happen. I am digging my heels in. I do want it to happen. They're both adults. They're both able to choose who they want to date. Yes, they've probably both made mistakes in their lifetime, but fuck it. They seem to be happy. I saw a great tweet the other day that was like, Benifer is dead. It's Gingergate now. Wait, does that make sense? Gingergate? No, no, no. Gingerbin. Why did I do this without writing it down? Gingerman. Gingerbin. Gingerman. Gingerman. Okay, I hate well, that. clearly not catching on very well. Gingergate. Something tells me Benifer is a little bit more catchy. <laughs> Whatever. Can you give us the update now? Yes, I can. So two days ago, E! Online reported on a private getaway that the pair went on after they both both appeared at the VAX live concert in Los Angeles on Saturday. I'm not even going to pretend I know what that is. The outlet reported that Lopez and Affleck jetted off together to the luxurious Yellowstone Club in Montana, where Ben Affleck reportedly has, and I quote, a private chalet. I mean, what a lovely thing to just own, right? <laughs> so they were papped going together, like they were in a car together as if they were going on a getaway, which means they're not hiding from the paps. Like they're no. not trying to go at this separately. A source told E they were alone, just the two of them. Another source said they have been in touch here and there throughout the years. I mean, uh, forgive me, Michelle, because I know <laughs> you want this to be a very legitimate, lovely love story and it, it may well be. It is a legitimate be. love story. Look at them. It might be. <laughs> But <laughs> it is a very good way to get back at a partner that may or may not have cheated on you to quickly get back with an ex from 20 years ago. Maybe, but does it matter either way? Like it sounds like, yes, perhaps this was partly fueled by her sticking her middle finger up at Alex Rodriguez, but it does truly sound like these two are actually dating. Sources close to both Ben and Jennifer have confirmed this. And why would Ben put himself in this situation unless he was a willing participant? Oh, I don't know about <laughs> Ben. I don't know about him. Can we just like love, love, please? Why is everyone so nasty about this oh, headline? Shut up. No, I love it. I'm all for it. One of the quotes was Jennifer spent several days with Ben out of town. They have a strong connection. It's been quick and intense, but Jennifer is happy. If JLo is happy, why does anyone have to have any negative opinions about this? It's yes, not... he's been a dickhead, but he doesn't have to be a dickhead in this relationship. I flatly refuse to accept that it's a negative opinion to have <laughs> to consider that maybe they might just be playing this up to make her ex jealous. I said it's brilliant. I but refuse I just... to have this negativity in my life. <laughs> my third story. NBC says it will not air the Golden Globes in 2022. Tom Cruise returns his awards to HFPA over diversity controversy. That is from the ABC. You fought for this story. You can take it. Yeah, so we covered the Golden Globes a couple of months ago in February when there was a lot of drama and controversy about their severe lack of diversity. So now the update this week is that the Golden Globes have landed themselves in even more hot water. They will not be aired by NBC next year. They've had a decades-long partnership with NBC, but NBC have said we're not airing the Golden Globes next year. Tom Cruise returned all his awards. I think there were three because of the criticism behind the event. Now, as we mentioned 
in prior episodes, the Hollywood Foreign Press Association has been under huge amounts of criticism over its lack of diversity. They've also been in trouble for accepting too many gifts from prospective nominees. (laughs) Now, in February of this year, an investigation by the Los Angeles Times revealed there were no black people among the 87-member group of foreign entertainment journalists who make up the HFPA who vote for these awards, which is just astounding. Yeah. Studios such as Warner Media, Netflix, Amazon and HBO have also announced that they are cutting ties with the body until there's reform. Wow. So this really seems like it could be the end of the Golden Globes unless they do a complete and utter overhaul. Like they would almost need to strip everything back and start again. They did release a framework for reform that does include measures to increase the participation of people of colour in their organisation. It also includes new restrictions on gifts that members could receive. I don't know why I find the gifts part so funny, but it's just like bribery is so silly. It's so dumb. And I think gifts even downplays the kinds of benefits that people are being given, like flown on holidays by films and by production houses in a hope that they would then give that movie their vote. Like it was completely bullshit. Yeah. So the Golden Globes definitely aren't going to be a thing next year. It will be interesting to see if they are really relevant ever again. Have they been relevant for a long time? I feel like no. Well, I think actually to the general population, yes, people consider a Golden Globe Award as like almost similar to an Oscar. Mm, interesting. My fourth story, Maths Martha Kalafatidis splits with Michael after he shaves off beard. That is from the Daily Mail. And we must acknowledge straight away the reason we put this headline in is because it's one of the worst examples of clickbait of the week. So bad. A wild headline to explain a story that was nowhere near this wild. Actually, it was quite tame and quite funny. Yeah, and they're definitely still together. So if you don't watch maths if you don't know who Michael and Martha are. They met on the 2019 season of Married at First Sight and they have been one of the show's success stories in recent years. They are hugely popular on social media too. Martha has 600,000 followers on Instagram. He has nearly 300. He's also pretty big on TikTok. He keeps coming up on my TikTok feed too. (laughs) I don't mind his jokes. Now, the video that he posted recently that made headlines was so funny, Mish. It was. He said, yesterday my girlfriend's sent me a message saying, you look hot. And I did what any good boyfriend would do and decided to prank her and almost end our relationship. I went on Snapchat and got the no beard filter and sent her an image saying, so I trimmed my beard and I went too short and I just clean shaved to start again. Do you like it? (laughs) He then went on to explain. (laughs) He went and got in the shower and then came out of the shower and noticed he had like five missed calls, a bunch of FaceTimes and 10 messages (laughs) from Martha who said, please tell me this is photoshopped. And then like, you know, when you're really angry at something that you just send like tiny messages in like quick succession. So there was like 40 (laughs) messages there that were like, please tell me this is photoshopped. Why would you do this? I just texted you saying you look so good with the haircut. Everything was perfect. This is a fucking joke. FaceTime me now. And then she changed her tone very quickly, which is the most, this is one of the most relatable change of tones ever. You know what? I don't even care, but it's going to be a rough two weeks. And then she changed her tone again. I don't believe you'd be that dumb and shave like this. And then there was like all these random letters. like, And then she said, answer, Michael, what the fuck? And then you're single now. (laughs) Some people were really serious on this TikTok video and saying that it wasn't appropriate for a girlfriend to take her boyfriend's facial hair this seriously, which I've got to say, I just roll my eyes at. Like, I think it's extremely relatable to care about your partner's haircut and facial hair. Like, I do feel a little bit sad when Mitch is clean shaven. They look really young without facial hair. It's like not a big deal. No one's pretending (laughs) this is like a big, big deal. It's just like a funny, relatable story. I think it's like nothing needs to be taken that seriously. I agree with you. 
if my boyfriend clean shaved, <laughs> I might not be this aggressive. I try to be quite polite about it, but I just sort of cross my fingers and hope it grows back quickly. <laughs> Literally like I'm going to look at you less for the next week. <laughs> my fifth story. Celeb Spellcheck just revealed what the fuck is going on with their account. And finally, we have answers. That is from Pedestrian TV. I'm pretty exhausted with this one, I got to say. But people have been messaging us and asking us what is the deal with Celeb Spellcheck. As we know, Celeb Spellcheck announced that they were closing the account in mid-April. She said at the time, this account has become too big, too powerful and too time-consuming for me to enjoy running it anymore. There is no scandalous reason behind this decision. I'm not being threatened or sued or controlled in any way. I will be permanently deleting the account tomorrow. Lots of people thought that she was actually being pursued in some way, in some form with litigation because a lot of the throwback photos she's been posting. So like the entire account went dark. Then she came back a couple of weeks ago, has been posting throwback photos of celebrities. And a lot of those photos have been on the way to court, in court, I think there's a mugshot maybe up. Like there's definitely a theme going on that has to do with the law. And so people were like, is she being sued? Is this what she's trying to tell us? Yeah, and she's come out again and been like, no, this is not the case. But since then she's just been posting a bunch of like flashback photos of old celebrity photos. And initially all the comments were off on the photos so people couldn't comment and be like, why are you still posting when you said you were going to permanently delete the account? And then recently she uploaded this photo of Nicole Richie but kept her comments open and someone commented, ready to spill the beans on your plans yet? Or, (laughs) which is also one of my favourite formulations of a sentence that doesn't finish just awe and she replied saying no plans just posting things I like I just don't understand I'm so confused and tired I think she has to there have been that many celeb spell check imitation accounts that have popped up you know this some of them reached out and tried to follow us and we were like no like this is not a thing there's a celeb spell check account with like three underscores in the middle there's celeb dot spell check there's celeb spell check with like a three replacing an e there are a million accounts popping up trying to emulate what the OG celeb spell check did. I actually think we kind of need a reminder that none of these accounts are the original one because so many of them suck. So many of the imitation accounts are nastier, are less clever, are just a bit crap. So I'm not surprised that the OG celeb spell check is trying to subtly remind people that actually this is the original account, everyone else is fake and everyone else is copying her. I also have a sneaking suspicion that something's coming. I feel like something's coming too. I mean, ever since the account kind of died, if that's what we want to call it, people started unfollowing understandably because there was no purpose to follow. So I wonder if she's trying to get her following account back up, create some intrigue and I don't know, maybe something will come soon. Yeah, well, when we spoke about her potentially monetizing her content, I think we only thought about it in the way that we monetize content, which is through advertising and sponsorships. Lots of listeners came back to us and said, there are other ways to monetize this stuff online. And they're absolutely right. And I feel like other ways of monetization might actually suit Celeb Spellcheck more. So let's wait and see. I mean, there's got to be some type of incentive to funnel that amount of energy, that amount of time into an account. Maybe that incentive will be money. And maybe we're about to see a new iteration of Celeb Spellcheck. Maybe we will. Maybe we won't. Is that all you've got for me today? That's all I've got. Thank you, next bitch. 
This week, a single sentence in Australian author Justine Cullen's new memoir, Semi-Gloss, made its way into headlines around the country and indeed the world. Writing about the best and worst celebrities to work with in Magland, former editor Cullen revealed the names with great reputations, like Elle McPherson, while also sharing the name of one female celebrity who was something of a nightmare behind the scenes, Glee star Liam Shell. Zara, did you click on these headlines when you saw them all over the internet? Yeah, I did. (laughs) I did. And it's so funny because I always care about celebrities behaving badly. Like Mm. I always have. And I wonder, I think perhaps I always will. I mean, if you don't know who Justine Cullen is, she is the former editor-in-chief of Elle magazine. She's now the editor-in-chief of Jones magazine. She's been a pretty big fixture in the Australian fashion scene for a long time. She will have worked with a lot of people, a lot of people with huge profiles around the world. And in this book, she kind of wrote about her family life, but also her career. And this is where this anecdote was written. It wasn't a big one. It was like a one throwaway line that Mm. has been pulled out of this book and kind of thrown around the world. Yeah, it's a bit of a stroke of genius, I think, from Justine Cullen, because this is truly a question that everyone wants to know from journalists and media personalities, like who is the kindest and who is the meanest celebrity that you've worked with? We personally have gotten this question, particularly from friends, with our In Conversation series that we did more than 100 interviews for. We have consistently been asked who is the best and who is the worst in the industry. People really want to know. Yeah, and there is a discrepancy. (laughs) (laughs) If if we could just like get on this pod and share some names, we've had some interesting run-ins with celebrities. I will say generally our interviews have been wonderful. Like I think one thing that I've been impressed by is how lovely most people are or how professional most people are. I would say there's just a couple of outliers which have made for some funny stories. I mean, we're pretty comfortable (laughs) sharing the names of the best celebrities though, right? Like this oh, is I a didn't pretty know lovely which way that was going. <laughs> <laughs> This is a pretty lovely, fluffy conversation. And I don't think either of us professionally would ever share the names of the worst celebrities, although there have been some. I wouldn't personally feel comfortable getting people to give their time to us and then slamming them on our own podcast. I love how you say we probably wouldn't do that when there's like <laughs> not a world we would ever do that. We definitely wouldn't do that. However, just because I know the listeners will be interested. The ones who brought the best vibes and were like all round delightful people to work with, I think you'll both agree with me. Hamish Blake. Well, I think it's, yes, I agree with you. I think it's the ones you think and hope to be lovely are lovely. Like Hamish and Zoe are lovely. Andy was lovely. Yes. Laura Byrne, when we did a podcast with Laura her Laura Byrne's years a ago, fucking delight. We walked out of that interview at that time and thought she is one of the loveliest, bubbliest people that we've met doing this. Yeah. Priyanka Chopra Jonas has to be one of the loveliest people we've interviewed also. And I have felt since that interview that that's a big reason as to how she got to where she is now. It's an interesting parallel, actually. The more successful you are, you tend to be quite lovely because clearly people enjoy working with you and want to work with you again. I think that's a really good point. While there will be outliers, I think a lot of people find a lot of success because they treat people well. And like I said, there will be outliers, but I think that is generally true, right? Yeah, for sure. Regardless, it is clearly something we're all very invested in and interested in. I mean, in Justine Cullen's book, she wrote about celebrities that she had considered unflailingly professional like Elle McPherson, as you said. And then she wrote, it's the next tier down who always surprise you, like Leah Michelle from Glee, who in just one of many onset moments, and it should be noted that moments was in inverted commas, kicked a shoe at my fashion director and made her cry. She was unpleasant. Horrific story. Awful, awful story. Totally. It's 
physically violent to kick a shoe at someone. So I think as far as the stuff we've heard about Leah Michelle, if this is true, then the shoe story has to be up there with the racism allegations. Well, this is the thing. Leah Michelle has had a pretty horrendous year when it comes to her reputation. Last year, she was accused of racism by former co-star Samantha Ware, who played Jane Haywood on Glee. And it was after the tragic death of George Floyd when Leah Michelle posted about it. And in response to Leah Michelle posting about the death of George Floyd, Samantha Ware just wrote a tweet that claimed that Leah Michelle made her time on the show a living hell. And many, many, many co-stars, both on Glee and later co-stars on Broadway, backed this up. Yeah. So Samantha Ware spoke to the media after her social media post. And this is one of her quotes. I knew from day one when I attempted to introduce myself to Leah, there was nothing gradual about it. As soon as she decided that she didn't like me, it was very evident. It was after I did my first performance, that's when it started. The silent treatment, the stare downs, the looks, the comments under her breath, the weird passive aggressiveness it all built up there was also a claim that Leah Michelle threatened or made a joke about her shitting in someone's wig in her wig yeah yeah this was backed up by Heather Morris who told the media was Leah unpleasant to work with very much so for Leah to treat others with the disrespect that she did for as long as she did I believe she should be called out very interesting I mean 30 Rock actor Keith Powell also wrote Leah Michelle is a terrible human and has said terrible things to many different types of people including racist micro aggressions to and about black people. There was another quote from an understudy called Jared Kananiko who wrote to Lee Michelle, you were nothing but a nightmare to me and fellow understudy cast members. I feel like when this stuff is coming from the people that Lee Michelle deemed to be below her, it says a huge amount about her character, particularly when those people exist in minorities and might be pushed down or might not have their career flourish because of a person in power like Leah Michelle. Putting Leah Michelle aside for a moment, because we can all agree that her behaviour, if the allegations are true, is beyond awful. You and I worked for a digital media website for years and we know that these stories are super popular. Like they were some of the most clicked on stories about women who were difficult in the industry or women who were hard to work with. And yet apart from the particular incident we've platformed today about Leah Michelle, I can't actually remember an instance where that label of difficult woman has been fair at all. It often feels deeply unfair. It really reminds me of when Catherine Heigl was kind of defined as the ultimate difficult woman for daring to suggest that some of the movies she had been in, I think done by Seth Rogen and Judd Apatow, had been sexist. Like that really at the crux of it is at the heart of why people thought Catherine Heigl was difficult to work with. And our creation of her as the difficult woman, the woman you don't want to work with, was so intense that earlier this year she told the Washington Post that it plunged her into a deep depression. Like she now takes prescription medicine to deal with that mental illness. So while Lee Michelle's name is probably worthy being put in these headlines. Headlines like 10 Reasons Why Catherine Heigl is the Most Hated Actress in Hollywood, which is one of the first results that comes up when you Google her name, are totally unfair. Well, it's it's hard to swallow these two women being lumped in the same category, which is what we love to do. We love to brandish a woman difficult or not difficult. So you've got people like Catherine Heigl and Leah Michelle in the same category when that absolutely shouldn't be the case. Reminds me a lot in 2017, Elle magazine published a feature with Pia Miller, the home and away actress Pia Miller. 
and she starred on the cover and there was an accompanying feature story. Now, what was really interesting and what made headlines at the time with this story was in the accompanying interview, the interviewer Meg Mason said that dealing with Miller was incredibly challenging. She wrote, her fierce protectiveness of her privacy and her family goes some way towards explaining why it was never a sure thing that Miller would appear in these pages. The shoot concept and this accompanying interview were more difficult to agree on than most international cover stars in this magazine's history. From the earliest planning stages, she displayed a zealous level of control, one that extends across her career and the way she's publicly perceived. Posing with her family was out of the question, as was a male model, although she eventually agreed to work with fellow actor and Home and Away star Luke Pegler. Mm. I look back at this now. So this was four years ago and I remember when this story came out and I lapped it up. And when I say I lapped it up, I meant I clicked on it. I was really interested in it. It was a, a rogue thing to do for a magazine to come out about the star that they were platforming and say she's really fucking difficult to work with Mm. and I felt very complicated about it at the time and I feel even more complicated about it the older I get because I read that passage about why she was difficult to work with and I don't exactly see what the problem is yeah neither I don't understand and I wonder if it's because also we've been doing this job for three years now we have a lot of eyeballs and a lot of ears on what we do and I can absolutely understand someone wanting a zealous level of control over their privacy. I mean, I would love to know how people perceive us if we are zealous about our privacy because I'm a pretty private person. I know we've put a lot of stories about ourselves out there, whether it be in the book or on the podcast, but anything I don't put out and don't actively make a decision to put out is mine. And that is something that is very sacred to me. So it feels odd to me that the only reason they can explain her being difficult is wanting a zealous level of control because that feels very relatable. Yeah. Well, the thing about the Pia Miller cover, and I wonder if you'll agree with this, Zara, is that it feels like a weird betrayal by the media. Like Elle magazine wanted Pia Miller on its cover because she's a gorgeous woman that the public has an interest in who will sell magazine copies. Totally. For them to go through that process and then flip at the last minute and publish this piece about what a difficult woman she was to work with felt like they were kind of cashing in on all of her relevance, cashing in on her clout and then kind of backstabbing her at the same time. Like no one's forcing Elle magazine to put Pia Miller on the cover. They could have gone with another model. They chose to go with her despite her being difficult in inverted commas to work with because it benefited their magazine. Well, I think anyone posing on the cover of a magazine, it's like a mutually beneficial exercise, right? The celebrity does it because it's great publicity for them. The magazine does it because they know it's going to sell some copies or move some copies. But it kind of only ended up being beneficial maybe in this sense for Elle magazine because they got their cover and they also got their own narrative too, which is Pia Miller is difficult. So Pia Miller didn't get the benefit imposing for the magazine, but Elle magazine did. Mm. And if she'd struggled with the media beforehand, imagine how you'd go after that covers published. You wouldn't want to do anything. And then that would just contribute to this idea that you're too difficult. Yeah. Well, what's to say she hasn't been portrayed by the media in the past, which is why she's got this zealous level of control, because I would not be surprised if she's been portrayed by the media in the past. And I would say from experience as well, I know we are nowhere near the level of Pia Miller. Please do not, (laughs) please do not get this confused. I have had experiences in interviews where I feel like people have tried to catch us out or get a comment that would make us look bad. And so I myself, I sit in interviews when we do them with other publications, which is rarely, to be honest, because we do find them anxiety inducing. And the entire time I'm thinking, what is going to be a pullout quote that makes me seem like a dick? Like, what are they going to do to make us seem not great or seem grittier than typical? 
It's not surprising that women are sitting in these interviews and coming across as difficult because the media is hell-bent on depicting them a certain way. Well, it's also not even just that the media is hell-bent. Like, I would say there are a lot of lovely journalists who want to have a genuine conversation. It is how that interview is framed and also how it is then perceived by the public. Mm. And I think you take a lot of the nuance of a conversation out when you can't hear tone and when you can't see body language. And I think that is the stress for a lot of women being interviewed is like, yes, this quote might seem pretty innocuous, but when it's put down as a pull-out quote or when it's cut down in half, how is that going to be perceived by the public? Because as we know, the public has a lot of internalised misogyny and would love to kind of never give a woman the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, and it's an interesting question I think people can ask themselves. When they see headlines about a woman being difficult or being shitty to work with in the public eye, untangling where that actually comes from. In the case of Pia Miller, it truly feels like she might be difficult to work with because she exists in a world where women are savaged for like the most ridiculous of things that if she had posed with their children was she going to then cop flack for platforming her children and putting eyeballs on her kids and let them grow up like every decision a woman makes seems to be the wrong one just look at like even Maddie J and Laura from The Bachelor copped shit this week for like having their daughter run around with a I can't it was a, like a bird yeah a turkey or something yeah. chase after a turkey and that ended up in headlines about what terrible parenting that is like in the case of Pia Miller saying no I don't want to pose with my family and no I don't want to pose with a random man for this magazine shoot. There are a bunch of reasons why she wants to do that. And I think these stories tend to fall into two different pots. The first pot is internalized misogyny. Like, do we just love finding women to hate in the public eye because we love finding women to lift up and adore and love. And then we love finding women to trash and stamp on. And sometimes women can be both those women across their careers, like very, very quickly go from being loved to being hated. Or are we coming for these women because they're allegedly a threat to the people they're working with. Pia Miller is not hurting anyone by having a zealous level of control over her image. Leah Michelle is allegedly kicking shoes at people. And being racist to fellow co-stars, which is absolutely a violent way to live. Mm. And I think it's interesting that we have a tendency to lump all of these difficult women in the same box when I don't think all of their crimes are the same. I mean, it's just been so interesting this week having a really proper think about that Pia Miller story and going back because... I think that we constantly tell women that they say yes too much, that they give too much of themselves up, that we need boundaries. I feel like boundaries is having such a moment in the last year or so that we need to recognise our worth. And then the minute we put that into action, the minute we say, I want a line between my public and private self, I don't want to give everything because nobody deserves everything, women get publicly shamed. They get told that they're too difficult. Mm. So I would say the only time these headlines are relevant or worthy of a public platform is when harm is actually being done to anyone. Pia Miller didn't harm anyone. Pia Miller was just living her life, putting boundaries in place. That did not deserve to be in the pages of Elle as a bad thing. If you're causing harm to someone, that is in the public interest. Yeah, I think that line is a really good one. Hey, I think that is all we've got time for today. Thank you so much for listening as always. Thank you, guys. As always, you can follow us on Instagram at Shameless Podcast. We are going to do Your Safe Friday tomorrow as always, and we'd love to hear your opinions on the stories we shared today. Other ways to support us is to click subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review if you like us, or follow on Spotify. Annabelle Lee, anything to add? No, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) What a helpful little helper you are. Thanks so much, guys. We'll be back in your ears on Monday with part two of our Kim K 72-day marriage episode of Scandal. Bye. Bye. Hold up. 
Hello guys, Mish here. I am the co-founder of Shameless Media. Thank you so much for giving us your ears and your mind and your time. We're so grateful. If you enjoy the stuff that we produce, may I recommend our brand new podcast, Style-ish. Style-ish, if you want to say it quickly. Style-ish, if you want to take the long way through it is our podcast for all things fashion, brand, business, and beauty. If that is in your wheelhouse, if you care about style content, you will love this show. It is, of course, more than just a show as well. It is a newsletter. It is an Instagram feed. It is a TikTok account. There is so much good stuff going out on Stylish every single day starting now. So in your favorite app, search for Style-ish. Give it a listen. Give it a follow. We are an independent media company and we would be so, so grateful for all your support. That's all for me, guys. Check out Stylish and have a good one.